0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW, avoid, prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You are listening to the next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Green Book.
1: Yeah. Some guy called over here, a doctor. He's looking for a driver. You interested? I am not a medical doctor. I'm a musician. I'm about to embark on a concert tour in the Deep South. What other experience do you have? Public relations. Do you foresee any issues in working for a black man? You, and the Deep South, there's gonna be problems. Promise me you're gonna write me a letter. No problems. Tell me that don't smell good. I've never had fried chicken in my life. You people love the fried chicken. You have a very narrow assessment of me, Tony. Yeah, right? I'm good. Be interacting with some of the wealthiest people in the country it is my feeling that your addiction Ooh. could use some finessing oh, but why are you breaking my balls because you can do better mr balalonga so dear dolores
2: i saw dr shirley play the piano he's like a genius i think
1: come on take it eat. i prefer not to get grease on my blanket Ooh, i'm gonna get grease on my blanket this gentleman says that i'm not permitted to dine here i'm afraid not How does he smile and shake their hands like that? Because it takes courage to change people's hearts. What are you doing? A letter. May I? Dear Dolores, sometimes you remind me of a house. You know this is pathetic, right? Put this down. The distance between us is breaking my spirit. Falling in love with you was the easiest thing I have ever done. Yes, because the kids. That's like clanging a cowbell at the end of which is a seven. That's good. It's perfect, Tony. Hey,
0: come on, get out, now.
1: You never win with violence. You only win when you maintain your dignity. You don't know your own people. You, Mr. Big Shot, doing concerts for rich people. So if I'm not black enough, and if I'm not white enough, then tell me, Tony, what am I? Anyone can sound like Beethoven. For your music, what you do, oh, you can do that. No what do we do about the bones? We do this. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Pick it up, Tony. Squirrels would've ate it anyway. Pick it up.
0: All right, everyone. You were just listening to the trailer for Green Book, and the story is as follows. Dr. Don Shirley is a world-class African-American pianist who is about to embark on a concert tour in the Deep South in 1962. In need of a driver and protection, Shirley recruits Tony Lipp, a tough-talking bouncer from an Italian-American neighborhood in the Bronx. Despite their differences, the two men soon develop an unexpected bond while confronting racism and danger in an area of segregation. The film is starring Viggo Mortensen, Mahershala Ali, and Linda Cardellini. The film is written and directed by Peter Farrelly, and co-written by Nick Vallelonga and Brian Hayes Curry. Joining me for this review, I have Katie Schaefer, hello, and Tom O'Brien. Hey, everybody. All right, so Green Book. Been hearing a lot about this since TIFF won the Audience Award over there. And as of this recording, today won the National Board Review for Best Picture. Uh, this one has definitely seemed to, once again, there is a theme in 2018 of a divide amongst audiences and critics with this movie. But I think that there is... Uh, Something to get into here with that, but first and foremost, I want to know what everyone thought of the movie itself. We're going to talk about its performances, how it handles some more of its touchy themes here regarding race, especially in a 2018 landscape. So why don't I first pass it off to Katie? Katie, what did you ultimately think of Green Book?
2: Well, (laughs) I had mixed feelings, to say the least, and to put it simply, uh, in more detail, I I wanted to say the good things about this film are the performances. Uh, As you would expect with these actors, uh, Mahershala Ali and Viggo Mortensen absolutely knock you out of your seat. They are funny. They're sincere. They have great chemistry. uh, They make you believe that the emotions that they're expressing and boy, are they expressive. Um, so there's a lot to like in that department and fairly script is at times pretty funny. Like it can be enjoyable to watch, but the bad things that I didn't enjoy are more along the lines of, I don't think that it handles race particularly well. It's a little uh, backwards in its thinking. And I think the script in regards to that kind of fell down on the job. So.
0: Okay. All right, Tom, what about you? What did you think of green book? I was in an audience
1: that was eating it up and when I when the lights came up and people were shuffling up the aisle, all around me I've been hearing people saying that was the best thing I've seen in years. Oh God, it was so heartwarming. This was just wonderful. And I, I was walking up there and I was thinking, I don't feel that way, but why? Because I like, as, as Katie said, I mean, the acting is terrific. And, uh, you know, they have a wonderful chemistry together. And I really had to get back home to think, oh, looking back over it, I think it's the script. I, I have a problem with the, it's it's a two-hander, basically, uh, with two characters, but it's all told almost all told from the point of view of Tony, the Viggo Mortensen character. I mean, yes, his son wrote the script, and there's always that part of it. Um, But I I just think the film would be much more effective if we got to to see things more from Doctor's point of view, rather than um, having the film largely be concerned with uh, Tony's transformation.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I can understand what you mean by that. It, it begs the question of whether or not if this film should even have been made. Like, do we like do we fault um, his son for going forward with this story and wanting to pay tribute to his father? You know what I mean? It's tough. It almost feels like this movie is set up and doomed to fail in a sort of way. Um, and it's it's interesting because. When I saw this back at the Hampton Film Festival, my immediate reaction when the movie ended was, holy crap, I feel like I'm on cloud nine. I feel amazing. Wow. Like, I laughed, it was entertaining, it was heartwarming, great performances. Oh, man. And my audience, they went nuts for this. I mean, like, I haven't seen a crowd react to a movie like this when it was over since, uh, I don't know, like maybe when Thor showed up in Wakanda earlier this year, (laughs) you know, like, I mean, they went absolutely insane. They were like at a a rock and roll concert at the end. I couldn't believe it. And uh, yeah, you know, Tom, I too had people saying it was the best thing they had seen in years and just glowing praise i got in my car i had a long drive back home a couple of hours and i get on the phone i call our colleague and friend michael schwartz tell him about this movie and then i get to like a red light and then i just had a moment where it's like my high wore off and i just said to him you know what i actually had some issues with this movie now that i think about it (laughs) (laughs) So, it's really funny to me how certain movies this year, um, they play a magic trick, and some of them play it very, very well. Um, This is a movie that if you stop to actually think about it, I definitely think it reveals its flaws. But the magic trick that it does play, while it's actually, like, while you're watching it, I have to give some credit to Peter uh, Fairley for that, for pulling off what he did with this, because... It's a movie that checks off all of the boxes, but they're not necessarily the right boxes.
2: Oh, that's such a great way to put
0: it, Matt. I mean, you have a character in Tony Lip who's flawed. He eats too much. and That's played off for comedic effect. He is definitely uh, what, what you would call institutional r- racism. I mean, like, he's one one of those guys that's, like, basically, hey, listen, you're different from me. I'm different from you, you know. I, 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 I mind my own business. You do your thing, you know. And, and like, that's how he is. Like, he doesn't care about uh, Dr. Shirley. He doesn't care about him as a human being and as a person and as a black man. He doesn't care. He just cares about doing his job, getting paid, taking him across the country to these concerts, and that's it. And then the movie attempts to show how this guy who doesn't really care so much for this other dude, you know, just kind of his heart starts to just, you know, melt. And it's like the guy changes. And by the end, he's a different human being. And, you know, their relationship is great. And what I just didn't really care for with this was I didn't like this whole idea that I walked away with how the movie kind of presents such a perfect bow tie of an ending. So perfect that it almost feels like they were trying to say, yo, racism was solved back in the 60s with this. And look how much better it has gotten since then when it's like not the case like at all.
2: No, not at all. That's yeah, it's patently false. It does have a very pat ending. It's oh, everything. Like you said, it's all wrapped up in a nice little box and we can all leave the theater feeling good on that Great story high that is one of the best things about going to movies sometimes, especially if it's, you know, a movie where that's what it's meant to do for you, but it's like kind of feels like that's what this one is. It's meant to make you feel good.
0: But let me ask you this question. Does does it succeed then in what it sets out to do? Because like I said, like, I mean, like, I think this movie has a trick and I think it I think it plays it.
2: I Yes, I agree. I think it does for most people.
0: Right. Well, and that's the thing. Like, th- this is a broad movie for, like you said, most people, the mainstream audience. People. I think anyone that sees more than a few films a year. I know some people that see like less than three movies a year.
2: Oh yeah, same. If
0: yep. if this is one of them, they're going to think this is the greatest thing they have seen in like twenty yeah. years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it, you know, it's it's one of those films that in a year where we have Black Landsman and The Hate You Give. And Beale Street could talk, and Sorry
2: to bother movies you. that
1: are so—it's—it's yeah, hard to bother you, absolutely. Uh, that uh, that are so much more sophisticated in terms of really dealing with the racial situations that are going on right now. To have this kind of quaint little thing, it 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 feels like it belongs on the Hallmark Channel.
0: Yeah. Well, well you know, a movie it reminded me of a lot. It reminded me of uh, in many ways, like stuff like The Blind Side. Yes. Yeah. And that, too, was an audience crowd-pleasing film that did very well at the box office, scored a Best Picture nomination, mm-hmm. and won Sandra Bullock an Oscar for Best Actress. It's one of those things where—and I'm going to tie this to Oscars—critics are not the Academy. No. <sighs> no. I just think it's very interesting how I feel like for a lot of people that see a lot of movies— those are the people that are like, hey, compare this to other things that we got this year that feel more vital and are tackling very complex issues in a complex way. This is trying to take a complex issue and dumb it down, and then it doesn't tackle it in a complex way. It tries to just, you know, oh, well, it's all willy-nilly, you know, it's fine, you know. It's fine, yeah. you know?
1: Can't can't we all get
0: along? Yeah, it just tries to boil it down to that. Can't we all just get along? And it's like, no, it's much it's much more complicated than that. <laughs> right.
2: We this is an issue that can't be simplified. It can't be dumbed down and have any kind of depth or real commentary with it. And that's what Green Book is really lacking. I mean, so much of the perspective on this is from from the white guy. I mean, that is that's what how Tony is portrayed. Tony is Italian, which at the time was not a white man. An Italian person was not white in the South. And though the movie makes mention of it, it never really explores that. And not to say that Tony, as that person and that time would have had any kind of sympathy or natural, you know, kinship with a person who's also not considered white. Like the movie taking that choice is, really uncomfortable at some points in the film if you're aware of those things you look at it and you're like "Ooh, this kind of makes me feel bad
0: well it's uncomfortable and it's tough because we don't know if we're supposed to like this guy or if we're not supposed to like this guy that's the like as an audience member i was confused as to where my allegiance was supposed to lie and was he you know if you want to boil it down to just simple screenwriting tactics here is he a hero that i'm supposed to be rooting for or not
1: well, I think that, that it, they make it easy to easier to uh, root for him because, especially at the beginning, they make Doctor Shirley seem to be kind of an other. He dresses he dresses for the interview in these robes, and he interviews uh, Tony from a throne. And you know, it's like something out of Eddie Murphy and Coming to America. It just, oh, it just makes him, you know, seem he's not like us. And so you're, it helps that device can help to you know, have uh, sympathy to, uh, gravitate to Tony, which I think is rather cheap.
0: Speaking of cheap too, uh, Tony's also portrayed also as kind of like a free-flowing, you know, guy who kind of just does whatever he wants and you know, it's played for laughs and ha ha, ha, isn't he just having a great time? Where Dr. Shirley is the guy who comes around and says, "No, that's not how you're supposed to conduct yourself." That's not how I want you to be. And it kind of like cuts off, I think, like the fun aspect that like audience members are like hoping to have with that character then. yeah. And I think to, to your point, Tom, I think it's kind of cheap that it uh, puts us at odds. And that's supposed to be like the mismatch between the two. Here's a guy that's poised, measured, cool, eloquent, and very, very calm under pressure. And then you have Tony, who's prone to beating people up and, you know, like I said, gavooning a whole pizza pie. <laughs> you know, it's like.
2: Right. Well, it's like they try to have this odd couple thing. And if you think about, the, you know, the very classic odd couple of Walter Matthau and Jack Lemon. I don't know if anybody else watched that show when I were a kid, but I sure did. And like Walter Matthau is a slob and he's kind of a jerk. But he doesn't steal from anyone. He's not a thief. He's not, like, he still has a kind heart and that's made appear- apparent throughout the show. And, like, the real conflict is the mismatch of their personalities, not their, like, not their sole reason, like, their the points of their existence. You know, like, Tony. Tony doesn't care. He's all about bullshit. And Dr. Shirley is all about truth and honesty and, you know, courtesy.
1: Yeah. What bothered me about the emphasis on Tony is how it distorted the narrative um, and didn't allow the movie to be what it could be. Because when I first read the log line for this about a white driver driving a black musician through the South in 1962 with the Green Book in mind, places that are uh, safe for black performers to uh, go to. Uh, I was expecting something much more dramatic than what I got. Uh, and I was even expecting to see a scene or two that would be make me as uncomfortable as, let's say the car scene in eighth grade, where mm-hmm. you are so worried about what happens to gonna happen to Elsie Fisher that you're almost bursting. yeah and i I was expecting something like this here. If you indulge me for a second, just kind of take the scene at uh, in the bar where uh, Tony parks the car and goes off and does his errand and then comes back and finds that Dr. Shirley is about to be uh, beat up by these racist thugs. Now, imagine what it would be, how different this movie would be if we saw that scene told from Dr. Shirley's point of view. He knows, he wants a drink, he needs a drink, and he goes in there trepidatiously. It goes okay, and then these thugs come at him, you know, and, and please cast real thugs, not the Hollywood thugs that we got in this. Uh, someone <laughs> really could really kill him and you'd be so worried about them and you, you'll see everything from his his fierce and his point of view and then have Tony come in at the What a different scene that would be and how much more I think narratively affecting it would if this had a larger worldview that wasn't just Tony's.
0: Well, it's interesting you bring that up, too, because one thing I do agree with here, Mahershala Ali, he, he has the goods to be a leading man. And this movie very easily could have been a co-lead movie. And I know there are people that will say, well, it really is, you know, a co-lead. It's a two-hander. And in some ways, it is. But there's no escaping when you watch this that the movie is told from Vigo's uh, point of view. And there is no escaping the fact also that he's being campaign lead and Mahershala is being campaigned and supporting because honestly, that is the truth about the movie. That that really is the truth. But you're right, Tom, in that I would have liked to have seen the conversation, uh, that character, the Dr. Don Shirley character in this movie is so fascinating that anytime that we pull away from him and we have a scene with just Tony, for example, I instead want to get back to Shirley because I'm more interested in his viewpoint of the world and how he conducts himself despite uh, the level of hatred that is around him at all times. That is more fascinating to me than seeing uh, the schlub of a a guy who, don't worry, he has a heart of gold underneath, you know, we just got to chip away and get at it a little bit as this movie progresses D- to me the other story was I thought more powerful because this is a guy who is dealing in dignity and I just thought that in this day and age in 2018 that's a story worth more exploring here
2: right it feels very uh simple and safe like we it, the parts for me when I was when we went away from Herschel Ali's character you're kind of like, oh, well, I know what's going to happen. I know yeah, how yeah. this characters. It's going to be. Very predictable screenplay. i seen play. this so many times. And then when we go back to Dr. Shirley, it's like, oh, okay. you almost sit up. And you're like, what's going to happen now? Because this is a character that we don't get to see a whole lot of. This is a man who is outside of so many different typical character structures for this kind of movie that you want to know more about him. And the movie just doesn't really want to give you that. And it feels really hesitant around giving us very much info about Dr. Shirley at all. There's only a couple of moments where we hear about his the inner workings of his life. And like one of the biggest things of his life, his sexuality is just like this it's thrown in there and then the film runs away from it.
0: Oh, my God. Thank you so much for bringing that up, because that that bugged the hell out of me, because I was like, Wow another interesting layer to this character that can open up so many pathways for this screenplay and this story to go down and it never gets brought up again.
1: Yep. It's all about Tony being, you know, coming
0: in and saving him again. Yeah.
2: Right? And and Tony's just cool with it, you know? He hangs out in the clubs in New York. He knows what's up. It's cool. Don't even worry about it.
0: I mean, like, when they when they went to their separate rooms, right, because of the, the green book, but by, by the way, in retrospect, I hate this title so much because it has so little to do, I feel like, with the plot itself. Yeah. But when they actually go to the different uh, hotel rooms, when, when the story does go over to Tony and we do see, you know, because he tells him like, oh, I prefer to, you know, be by myself. And he's drinking alone. He's drinking this bottle of, I don't remember what it is actually that he's drinking, but he's drinking some sort of a bottle of, uh, of liquor. And, or was it wine? I don't know. He's drinking no, something. It's
2: with, I think it was like a brandy or whiskey or something like that. Very
0: Good for him because even I don't do that. So <laughs> like he's, he's drinking this thing every night. And all I kept thinking to myself was, I want to know what he's doing. I want to know what he's thinking about. Why does he prefer to be alone like that? Like give me – Give me something to make this more of a co-lead situation. Now, once again, I get it. The writer was Tony Lip's son, you know, and he wanted to, I mean, like, like I said in the beginning of this, can I really fault the guy? You know, it's like, I I don't know. But at the same time, I do feel that the guy should have a little bit of self-awareness to know that, you know, if you're going to write this story in 2018, at least make it a 50-50 thing here. I mean, listen, we we got the favorite with equal screen time between three leading ladies. I'm sure they could have done a 50-50 split here between Vigo and Mahershala.
2: And they could have, I think, if we don't want to talk about how, or if not if we don't want to talk, if we don't want to fault this guy for writing a story about his dad, which I don't. I understand you want to write stories about your parents, whatever, but- the bigger question is, why does the studio selling it to us in this way? And why does Peter Fairley see that, like, this is how we're selling this story as opposed to being about Tony in general? And it feels like that's where it gets
0: real cheap. It's a bit. It's business. It's just, you know, money right, at that point.
2: You can make more money selling it as like a, a movie about racism instead of a movie about this white guy because they know that that's just not going to be as popular these days. It's not going to mm, hold nope. people's interest.
1: And. And it, uh, ironically, it seems designed to lure in the most general audiences, who didn't come.
0: Yeah,
2: right. Nobody showed up for that.
0: And, and you know what? Listen, maybe the word of mouth. Because yeah, those who are seeing it are indeed raving about it. Maybe it will catch on. It will have legs. But initially speaking, mm, nah. There some there are people that are definitely staying away, and I have to believe it is finally because more diverse voices are being heard this time around. Unlike, for example, last year when another Toronto audience film, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, won that award, was praised at film festivals, and then when more people finally got a chance to see it, it was like, wait a minute, this is the movie that you were all championing and like raving about? There's there's a lot of problems with this movie. Not this time. This time, it's like people got ahead of it this time. You know what I mean? Yep.
2: Right. Yeah, and- I can see that.
0: Yeah.
1: And and it, it seems that the it was the more, for lack of a better word, establishment critics who initially went out in front with this 95% favorable. So it is rather refreshing to hear different points of view from it, about it, uh, from these new members. And it, it's very, very heartening.
2: I think we also should consider, and not to take to- put in one little note here that those critics who saw it right after the screenings, like you said, Matt, at first, initially, you're thinking, oh, this was good. I had a great time. Oh,
0: yeah. No, I don't fault anyone at all. They're writing their
2: reviews and getting them out there. So I always try to mention that.
0: I'm sure people publish those reviews and then maybe thought to themselves, maybe, like, you know what? I might want to go back and change something. I would not be surprised if that were the case.
2: I know I've had that experience where I watch the movie, I write the review, and then afterwards I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have either been so harsh or so generous.
0: Not to mention, too, there's also you know, f- f- film festivals sometimes they they cast a spell over you, you know, and everything you see is great. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've I've fallen victim of that to that before as well. So. It's really, really tough, and who knows what the ultimate story is with this movie. All we can do is speculate, but what we do have proof of in this movie is we do have proof of two very good performances from Vigo Mahershala... I'm sorry, Vigo Mortensen and Mahershala <laughs> Ali. Look at that. I, form, I, I formed them into one person. <laughs> nah. The, the two of them here, I mean, despite the issues with the screenplay and despite how the movie is presented, these two... I, I I have to say this is what puts the movie in the positive column for me. I give one point extra for Vigo, one point extra for Maruschela, because I think they are both that good here. They are good.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. They're the, they're the, they're the backbone of it, and the chemistry that the two actors have together uh, really do a lot to uh, uh, hide a lot of the in, in, in inequities of the script.
2: Right. They're very facially expressive, and that saves a lot of it because it gives it so much more depth than the script is. So that was a big part of it for me that I realized like, okay, these guys really did a great job with what they were given.
0: I have to say never, ever in my wildest dreams. Would I ever think that Viggo Mortensen Aragorn from Lord of the Rings (laughs) would be cast as this character And I can understand if people don't like his performance. I totally understand that. Because when I first saw the trailer for this movie, I thought he looked hammy. I thought it looked way too over the top. I wasn't buying it. I I had to see the movie for myself to see exactly what was going on here. And you realize that here is an actor who is so committed, even if the performance is hammy. He's so committed to, you know, like, I I, got to give him credit for just running with it, you know, and really embracing it. Because there are times when you see a performance and you can tell they just don't look comfortable. They don't look comfortable, like, delivering that accent or those mannerisms or whatever it might be. Here, the guy who I saw play, you know, Aragorn Lord of the Rings was a totally different human being. And I got to give him props for that. Yes. Huge,
1: and I'd like to give a little shout out to to Linda Cardellini, who I thought was uh, terrific and thankless role, I did,
2: totally wasted.
1: Yeah, totally uh,
0: wasted. so
1: but great. She's an actress we haven't seen in a long time. It's just nice to see her again.
0: I know. I, I, I you know what? If you want to see more of her, um, I know the show is over, and you know, but she was really good on the show uh, on Netflix called Bloodline that I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. If you want to see more of her work, um, other than when she just randomly pops up in like an Avengers film or something like that as Hawkeye's wife. But moving That's off right, from that. she was. I know, right? <laughs> but moving off from that then, um, Mahershala. I have gone on record of saying this before on the main show. I'll go on the record and say it here. I think this might be my favorite Mahershala Ali performance. And I think I like it more of an Oscar winning performance in Moonlight. Um, I think a large reason of that is because I love what the character represents and maybe because we don't, uh, you know, get so much of his perspective and because Mahershala rises above that material and still gives a performance that good, that there's kind of an enigma element to him that makes him even more mysterious that I'm like, Ooh, like I'm really, really like into this character so much, you know, um, I don't know, man. I just think Mahershala in this is on, I think he's just on another level in terms of like really elevating what could have maybe in another actor's hands just been a very mundane role. He makes it something special.
1: Yeah. Listen, yeah, listen to, listen to the dialogue, which is very often lame, and then watch what Mahershala Ali does with it. His eyes, his glances, his gestures... The way he carries himself, that speaks volumes as to who Dr. Shirley is. And that's not on the page. That's Mahershal Ali.
2: Right. And for me, the thing that I remember from that movie the most is the smile that he gives after every performance. And I've seen other interpretations that aren't the same as mine. But for me, that moment for me is the, the point when he's like, All right. I, I did it. I did the thing that I was born to do to make this music. And now other people have appreciated this amazing momentary art that I've created. And that on his face when he does that is just perfection. Like it's such a a great example of of Ali's skill in this role. Did he actually play the piano? I couldn't find that out. I think he, oh, you know, you know what? I did go hunting and he learned some stuff. Okay. But all of the like, it, this is not, he is not Ryan Gosling for La La Land. He learned some of it, but then the rest of like the really complex work is a, is an actual.
0: Yeah, like, I was going to say, because I mean, if he, yeah, you know, I mean, like the, the work on this is another level in terms of the actual playing. <laughs> you oh, know? Yes. Yeah, I, I read that
1: he, he really asked uh, Peter Farrelly, please allow me to be shown doing this as much as I can. And uh, that's that's who he is.
0: Yeah, and it yeah. feels
2: believable, feels believable, like because I was watching it because I watched it. I was like, there is no way unless Mahershala Ali is also a concert level pianist that this is him playing this. But it feels real. It feels like sometimes you can tell like with dancing, but he did a great job in this.
0: I definitely think so as well. Uh, OK, uh, with that said, let's pass it off to final thoughts now. So, Katie, any final thoughts? Anything we didn't touch upon with Green Book?
2: I think we covered most of our likes and dislikes in this movie. But, and I will say it was great to talk to you guys about it because I felt initially there was so much positives and then I watched it and was like, I don't get it. What is everybody else saying? <laughs> and now me. it feels more like, okay, I'm not alone in my thoughts.
0: <laughs> alone yet not alone. No, I'm kidding. Yes.
2: <laughs> alone in my office.
0: <laughs> Tom, uh,
1: I I just just hope this backlash to the backlash to the backlash stops um, because the, you know the, the most important thing is the film um, whether it does well at the Oscars who knows uh, I'm gl- very glad that people are going out and having a good time at the movies um, you know if, even if this wasn't our cup of tea or what it might have been um, I I I hope. That I don't want this to be necessarily pinned as a flop um, because it, I'm afraid that people who are going to think it's the subject matter uh, that caused it to be a flop and there won't be any more movies like this. I'm just hoping for better movies like this.
0: Yeah, I, I would say the one thing that I wish that the ending of the movie uh, didn't do, just going back to this again, was I really wish it just didn't tie everything up in a neat bow where audience members will walk away from this movie and then they'll remember the jokes and they'll remember how it made them feel, but it's not going to push them to want to make a difference in the world. Yeah. And that, I think, is maybe the big crime of this movie here is that there's no call to action. And Lord knows that we need a lot of, you know, action in 2018. I really kind of wish that there was like some sort of a caution, you know, or something that was just thrown at the audience members at the end so that they could understand that, yes, while everything was okay between these two in the end, there's... Still, things you know, whatever it might have been, you know, just something—a
2: push to examine your own choices, perhaps.
0: Right, at yourself
2: and what you, how you behave towards other people.
0: And I'm glad that people are going to see this, and I'm glad that they're liking it, like and and enthusiastically liking it too. I'm glad. Like that's you know what? Like to your point, Tom, I don't want someone to go to the movies and walk out having a bad time ever. No, I, I definitely just wish that with a movie with this high of a profile, I really, really wish that it wasn't just something that was ultimately uh, forgettable and will be memorable f- for the maybe for the wrong reasons instead. Uh, that That's, I think, the biggest thing that I wish uh, could have came of this more because it had a platform, has two big stars. Peter Farrelly's gone from doing Dumb and Dumber to this, which I have to give—I have to give him another, another bit of credit here—to go from something like that to this, and in, in, in you know, in this in his career, uh, that's quite a leap. Yeah, it's not Adam McKay going from making Anchorman to The Big Short, but you know, yeah. I it's still a leap.
2: Just thinking that, like, well, you know, well, I didn't like this Peter Farrelly movie that much. I'm still interested to see what he can do. I'm still like. If this is how much he's grown, then maybe tackling some different subject matter, we would get something a little better or a little more entertaining.
0: Yeah, it's just the eye for material might need to just I- improve a little bit. <laughs> right.
2: And good on him for trying. He tried. Yeah. That's more than a lot of people do.
0: Yeah, and I can't say that Mahershala and Vigo tried with this. I think they delivered. I think. Right. I think everyone else tried. That's, and and you know, once again. If you walk away from this movie feeling good, and you're listening to this, and you really, really don't like our takes on this or whatever it might be, that's okay. That's right. okay. It's fine. It's okay.
2: This is an example of people con- congenially disagreeing.
0: And that's to, and to your point, Tom, the backlash to the backlash to the backlash. Like, just because you like this movie, I, I'm 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 hereby telling you that it's okay if you like this movie, just see more movies. And if you've seen more movies and you like this movie, well then you know what? Like, who am I to say, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying what I'm just saying what I think. And if you agree, okay. If you don't, Okay.
2: I'm on board with Matt here. I like some serious trash movies, and I totally have no judgment for anybody who would like this.
0: No, and it's funny, too, because, like, I love that you love really crappy movies. I do. <laughs> I hate crappy movies, but I don't I don't judge you because you like those crappy movies.
2: No, and I can see why you don't. It's totally, like, we should all be a little more accepting of other people's movie choices as long as we're willing to be critical of our own movie choices as long as we're willing to discuss it.
0: I think as long as you just say what you need to say, I I think that's all that matters. Just say what you want to say about the movie. Don't yeah. don't make it personal about the person and just say what you need to say and if they and if they get something out of it and they change their mind, okay, cool.
2: Right, for some people this might work a whole hell of a lot better than it does for us and that's great. And they've succeeded at least a little bit and every movie should almost every movie deserves to succeed a little bit.
0: All right. Now let's bring that all down for our grades out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> and, so Tom, let's start with you. Grade out of 10. Okay. I'll add a,
1: one point for Vigo, one boy for Mahershala, which brings it up to a five.
0: Ooh. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Read. All right, Katie. <laughs>
2: oh, well, my review, I rated this a six out of 10 since then. I've come down on it and I like it even less, but I'm going to keep my points for Mahershala and Vigo and I'll leave it a six out of 10 for today as well.
0: And my points for Mahershala and Vigo, those two points actually bumped me to a seven, believe it or not, because there is a part of me now, granted I, 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 I kind of do think that it might go down on a rewatch. Um, I, I think that I just, cause I saw the film back in like September um, I think just that lingering feeling that I had when I've, like, I, like, I can't shake the feeling. I can't shake the feels, you know? <laughs> that final scene, that <laughs> final scene just melted my heart. I, I, like, and I couldn't, uh, I mean, I can see through it now, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know what? I'll, 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 I i i do not mind. Whatever. Seven out of ten. It's fine. <laughs> All right, so now Oscar potential. Now that we're giving grades. Uh, this is interesting now because... Won the National Board of Review, Toronto's uh, Toronto uh, People's Choice Award. That it was hard for me to get out for some reason. I don't know so much what to make of this because I wonder because the backlash started early. I wonder if the backlash will sustain and keep going. And it might actually hurt its chances at some noms. Or am I going to just simply keep it in the four that I have it in? And the four are picture because those people who, like I said, don't see, you know, through the lines and don't think about it much afterwards. They're going to they're going to rate this number one movie of the year. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Um, So picture Vigo, Mahershala. And I think where it's most vulnerable is the screenplay, uh, but I still have it in for screenplay at the moment.
1: Those are my four as well. Uh, and I think that the actually the backlash may actually help it uh, because the people who will like it may want to overcompensate and move it up to number one just to make sure that it gets nominated.
0: So we got to ask then a the question. Does that mean Peter uh, fairly comes for the ride? No. no. Too,
1: too many other uh, important choices there.
0: Yeah.
2: Yes. Too many people voting who will watch the other stuff. I think.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. For now, there was some time early on where you know there were questions of, can this show up for Peter? Can this show up for things like the costumes, the production design? And I was like, no, 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 no. no. Stop. This is not. <laughs> an, this is not an across the board contender.
2: Those are beautiful cars. But-
0: <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> they, they, beautiful. Cars. Whoever found those gets
1: credit, but not okay, enough. I know.
2: I was, I was like, oh my God, they got one. That's amazing. <laughs> but I would, I would agree that um, Mahershala and Vigo are definitely have great shots at noms. I hope that this is not a best picture at the Oscars, but if you know, a couple of small be. stuff and it's, I don't want it to be the best picture.
0: Oh, no, 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 Oscar. no, no. I, well, I will say this. I think a win, I don't think a win is going to happen. No. Oh. And and this podcast might age poorly.
2: It could, <laughs> if I, I could be if,
0: I, food if food. I if I if it wins. But I I remain very very confident that it is not going to win Best Picture. Uh, but let's not talk about wins and losses. We're only talking about prospects here. And picture is on the table.
2: Yeah, I would agree that it's definitely on the table. But I don't think screenplay. I think there's just too many other great screenplays out there. It's always such a crowded field, and then... I I think people will be happy with the love that they give for the acting and for Best Picture.
0: I have to say, like, I've been thinking about that because I was, I was trying to figure out the other day. I was thinking to myself, like, okay, if The Favourite is safe, if Vice gets in, which, by the way, could also miss, maybe. And you have Green Book, Roma, 8th Grade, and First Reformed all fighting for slots there. And uh, I don't know, it's it's becoming a little bit more tough with uh, the rise of first reformed in eighth grade right now in the race, you know? Where, where people had one or the other before, they might be more inclined to include both now. And if you do that, then what are you going to drop? Yeah.
1: I mean, the writer's branch is really, uh, to my mind, one of the more perceptive branches of the academy. And they will nominate things that really don't factor in the best picture uh, race at all. And uh, so I could actually see after the after the last few days this happening. Of course, it's you know this is a marathon and things go up and down. But uh, I'm not saying that uh, Green Book is is surely in. But I think that's the only other
0: category it has a shot in. All right. Anything else?
2: I think we covered it.
0: All right. Great, Katie. Where can they find you on the internet?
2: You can find me on Twitter at kt underscore
0: Tom. And I'm on the internet, and I'm at, at
1: Thomas E O'Brien.
0: I'm very happy you are on the internet, sir. You could find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much for listening to our review of Green Book here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acas, Castbox, and now on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a re- review on Apple Podcasts. We really, really like it when you leave a comment, you let us know what you think of the show. It also helps us with visibility. So if you really, really like what you hear, head on over there, write us something. Really, really would appreciate that. Also too, head on over to Patreon. $1 minimum a month. Get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time.